We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Fantasy Labs the best website in the universe for daily fantasy sports tools. At Fantasy Labs, you can use the same data and tools as the pros to backtest theories and build lineups. With industry-leading projections and tools, Fantasy Labs has everything you need to dominate DFS using your own personal models. Sign up now for a Fantasy Labs NFL account, and you'll get access to all the other sports for free, plus 50% off a five-day trial with the promo code Fantasy Land, Fantasy Labs, DFS tools for smart players. Everybody needs to remember that it's not my husband helping me. It's not my son helping me. It's me on my own. You know, right now I'm watching tons of basketball games. I'm, you know, researching players and doing my own work. If anything, my son steals my lineups, not the other way around by any means. You are listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. I'm your host, Peter Overzet, and I'm excited to have Kat Gotsik joining me as a guest producer for this episode. Kat is the managing editor at Bro Jackson, an improviser, and a hardcore fantasy sports player. She's going to be joining me at various points throughout this episode as we showcase a bunch of incredible women who are excelling in all different facets of fantasy sports. Kat, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Peter. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we're uh, we're really excited to to have you on board with this episode. And you know, when we sent you over some of the clips from these interviews, I know some of it was a bit surprising to you. It really was. I am not a timid fantasy player. I play a lot, and I only know about seven or eight other girls who play fantasy football, and we are all in an all girl league together. And we talk about fantasy sports the way that I heard 
in some of these interviews, but it never occurred to me that there were other people out there. It was almost like being stranded on a desert island with seven other girls for years and years, and then suddenly finding out that there are a thousand other girls who live there too. It was very inspiring. I was really excited. I'm really excited too, because throughout the course of this episode, we are going to hear from a ton of kick-ass women who are involved in all different facets of fantasy football, from high-stakes players to analysts to professors, and finally, DFS pros like Pam Miles, who you heard at the very beginning of the show. If you don't follow daily fantasy sports closely, you may not know who Pam Miles is, so I'll get you up to speed. Miles started playing NFL DFS in 2014 around Thanksgiving. She deposited $100 into her FanDuel account, and a few months later she was sitting on a $100,000 bankroll after taking down the FanDuel Playboy Championship in February of 2015. But here's the twist. The lineup that won her the $100,000 wasn't for an NFL contest. It was for the NBA. When I qualified for that tournament, I qualified playing NFL, which was probably more what I was more accustomed to. I thought I was very good at playing NFL sports. So when I qualified, I realized that when you go to the Playboy Mansion, that was a basketball tournament. And I was like, oh, well, I haven't watched basketball in like 10, 20 years. So I had to do a lot of cramming. I did a lot of like research. I had a pile of papers that was probably, you know, 12 inches high. Every day at lunch, I would shut my door and I would sit there and I would just read about every player. I would read, you know, everything. And then when I got home from work, I would watch every basketball game there was. To give you an idea of how impressive Pam's story is, let's quickly recap all the things she accomplished in less than a year. First, she beat 674 people in an NFL contest to win her ticket to the Playboy Championship. Then she learned a totally new sport in a few weeks to prepare, at which point she beat a bunch of the best DFS tournament players in the world to win $100,000. Oh, and then she quit her day job to play full-time herself. Pam's story is an incredible one, but she's not the only woman out there racking up wins and cashing checks. Take Kimra Slisher, for example, a repeat high-stakes champion and an inaugural member of the Toyota Legends of Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. All it took was a love of football, some curiosity, and a trip to the grocery store to launch her high-stakes fantasy career. And I was actually had purchased a fantasy football magazine at one of the uh, grocery stores. I happened to be looking in it one day, and there was an advertisement for the World Championship of Fantasy Football. And I thought, you know, I want to do this. I want to go to Vegas. I just want to try it. And um, I was scared to death. My brother wouldn't go with me. Everybody was busy. And so I actually talked uh, one of my best friends at the time, her husband, into going with me. So he got on the plane, on a separate plane. I got on the plane, met in Las Vegas. We drafted one team, which is kind of crazy now when you think about it. And we did really well. We finished 10th overall, and I was hooked. I mean, after that experience, I was literally just hooked on the hobby itself and um, have been to Vegas every year since 2003. That was my first season. If you're wondering how you too can go from a casual fantasy gamer to a high stakes Vegas champion, Kimra isn't going to spill all her secrets, but she will let you in on one tip. One of the first things I do in the spring is I uh, absorb and just analyze all the coaching changes Mm. because 
that's the most important thing to me is understanding who the coaches are because you can have the best talent at wide receiver, but if you've got a run-oriented coach or a defensive-minded coach, you know, this person may not get the targets. So that's one of the first things that I do because there's a lot of changes in the NFL every season. I mean, you're looking at generally anywhere from five to eight coaching staff changes. So that's, that's really important. One of the similarities many of the women we talked to shared was how they first got involved with fantasy football and how quickly they fell in love with it. Kat, I know this was true for you as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was invited into a league by a male person in my life who knew I was a sports fan and he thought I would enjoy it. But after I figured out what I was doing and I discovered I loved it, I was fascinated by it, I read up on it, and I just wanted to play it over and over again because I knew that I would do better and better over time. And what year did you first start playing fantasy? 2002. My first league was a a baseball league. And I I spent the first two weeks with not changing my lineup because I didn't know what it meant to have people on the bench. And and I'm taking, I'm guessing that you've come a long way since then. How many, how many leagues would you say you have under your belt? Uh, I, I actually looked it up this morning. I have 98 leagues. I've played 98 leagues in Yahoo. I've got two dozen championships under my belt. And my greatest achievement, I think, I picked up Peyton Hillis in week 10 of a 16-team league in 2013, and I rode him to the championship game. Oh, man, that is I awesome. Lost, but. There is nothing better than looking at the Yahoo you know, history and seeing yeah. the actual little trophies in your, in your trophy case. I have 183 Toyota Hall of Fame medals, Peter. Oh, my goodness. That's, uh, I mean... <laughs> They say you can't take this stuff to the grave with you, but I feel like if there's one thing we can take, it's our fantasy medals. Our Toyota Hall of Fame medals. Yeah. Three other people who have racked up their fair share of fantasy medals are the women behind the fantasy football site and podcast, Her Fantasy Football, Brandon Lee, Ashley Williams, and Courtney Kirby. But before they became fantasy juggernauts, they were three sisters who grew up in a home surrounded by football with a dad who played a ton of fantasy in the 1990s. He told us about it when we said we were like, we should play fantasy football together. He was like, that's a lot of work because he didn't know it was on the Internet yet. <laughs> so that was his initial reaction was like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so right. anyway, he was definitely pleased by the existence of Yahoo Sports. We are going to hear more from the Her Fantasy Football crew later. But before that, let's introduce you to Peko Hasoy. Peko is a professor of mechanical engineering at MIT and the founder of the STEAM program which stands for Sports Technology and Education at MIT. So what happens when an engineering professor and football fan discovers fantasy football? I was immediately hooked. It's so great because, so A, now I watch football all the time. And second, um, what I learned is that this is a great way to put your data analytics skills uh, to work, right? So my my computer is full of spreadsheets for offenses and defenses and who to start every week. Um, and uh, especially with my background as an applied mathematician, it's been terrific. The second I realized Peko had a computer filled with her own fantasy football research, I had to ask her for some tips. Come on, can you blame me? The main one is the matchups. I mean, I think that's what's made the most difference. And then the other one that I like is looking at defenses, which defenses start because there's less variability in the defenses. Um, so again, by the time you're a few weeks in, you can get some pretty good data on that because defenses, it's typically not one guy suddenly has an amazing day. There's 
a finite number of people on the field and it has to be that combined effort averaged over the defense. So I think that might be why there's less fluctuation. Um, so, you know, I mean, one of the other things that I've looked at is you basically make a big matrix of offenses versus defenses. And so you can see on average, how well do offenses do on average, how well do defenses do? And then you can do, um, some kind of, uh, you can, you can hypothesize a model and fit parameters to figure out which defenses you should start every week. A woman who shares many similarities with Peko is Renee Miller, who you may remember from our first episode about spreadsheets. As a DFS writer for sites like ESPN and Roto World, Renee also thinks a lot about the matchups and, like Peko, is a minority as a female professor in a technical field. All the sciences. I mean, there aren't that many female professors in the sciences. There are some very interesting statistics that undergraduate majors in the sciences, including neurosciences, equal the number of men. But as you as you climb the ladder and graduate and who goes to graduate school and who actually gets a PhD and completes their postdoctoral fellowship and gets hired by a university, the number of women or the percentage of women at each of those stages drops and drops and drops. So the opportunities are there for women. They're just not capitalized on, it seems like, in the sciences. So yeah, it's been I've been in somewhat of a minority since I since I started pursuing neuroscience in an advanced way. Someone who can certainly relate to Renee in being a minority is Pam Miles. When she went out to LA for the FanDuel Championship, not only was it her first time at a live event, but she was also the only woman to qualify for the final, which increased the pressure she was feeling at the time. I was there and I was kind of trying to hide because I, number one, I felt like I would be embarrassed if I did really bad. Because one thing I didn't want to happen was to come in like last place and be like, oh, well, I really shouldn't have been here anyway because, you know, this is a man's sport and here I am trying to compete with these big names. I was kind of scared. You know, now if I ever qualified again, I think I would be a little more like, okay, well, I've, I've done this and even if I do bad this time, well, oh, well, some of the big names don't, you know, always come out on top, so... Now, Kat, I know as someone who does improv comedy in Chicago and is often the only female on stage or one of the few females on stage, is is this something that you can relate to as well? Absolutely. When you're the only woman on stage and you look out into an audience that's half women, half men, you do not want to let those women down. It's referred to as Jackie Robinson syndrome. It's the sense that if you don't perform at the highest level, you're going to set back the entire minority class. And I do not want to let those women down. Same as Pam. Feel her totally. Okay. So at this point, everyone knows that Pam Miles took down a $100,000 first place prize at the FanDuel Playboy Championship last year. But when she showed up for the event, she was completely anonymous. All anyone knew was that one of the qualifiers went by the handle P Miles on FanDuel. And this led to some misunderstandings. You know, when I went to the Playboy Mansion Championship, I didn't want anybody to know that, you know, P. Miles was a woman. So, you know, I didn't even wear my name tag. And you would be surprised the number of people that came up and introduced themselves to my husband and, you know, was, you know, saying, uh, you know, I'm such and such, you know, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, okay, well, it's nice to meet you too, but I'm not the player. Really, it's my wife that's the player. Kat, that clip is heartbreaking, but I'm not even sure it's surprising. That comment is simultaneously totally surprising and not surprising at all. It it doesn't make sense that you would dismiss a woman as a participant at that level. 
if you were thinking about it for any more than a very shallow second. Women are in leagues everywhere. Why wouldn't they be in this league too? It doesn't require strength or speed or power. A woman can compete, and Pam Miles certainly showed that. Yeah, and it's so unfortunate. You you heard her say at the top that she felt that she wanted to fly under the radar and not even let people know that she was a woman, almost as if she was bracing for the exact thing that happened. Yeah, I feel like I would either I would either do exactly that or I would do exactly the opposite. I would wear like a tiara and a sash and be like, I'm the girl. How how great would that be? You never know if you're going back again. I might soak in that moment. And I might also do exactly what Pam did. This probably won't be surprising after hearing Pam's story, but Kimra Slisher experienced this exact same dismissiveness at her high stakes draft in Las Vegas. The very first time she participated, another owner called her dead money. Another time, someone couldn't even fathom that a woman would be participating at all. They have facilitators who come and do the boards and the draft. And the once one guy was asking us if we were the facilitator. And I was like, no, we're not cute enough to be the facilitator. So now we're just going to sit down here right at the table. It's kind of funny. If we're dead money or we're the facilitator. So it's kind of funny. When I told the Her Fantasy Football crew about Pam and Kimra's experiences, Brandon Lee had a specific term for men like this. I mean, not to be like a complete asshole. Go but, for it. Go um, for it. Anyone who dismisses a woman in their league is just a total douche and probably sucks at fantasy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. It is 2016. And if you think a woman can't read or do basic math, like you need to go back to the cave from which you came. I guess this happens, but it's something I cannot comprehend in my mind that like this continues to happen. A bizarre thing Pam Miles experienced after winning the Playboy Championship was a few media outlets wanting to fixate on the fact that her son had introduced her to DFS initially. In an article last April about fantasy sports, the New Yorker seemed to zero in on the fact that Miles was a mother. I felt like they focused on the fact that I was a woman and that I was a mother because the cartoon picture was a a pregnant woman. That just really kind of offended me. I'm like, okay, well... Yeah, maybe I am a mother. Obviously, I am. But um, that was not anything to do with any of this. My oldest son did get me connected into Fandle. He set up my account for me. But other than that, he really doesn't play any part in what what I've accomplished, I feel like. So it's like, okay, I think people want to think that there's obviously some man helping me. And it's like, okay, no, 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 no. This is me. (laughs) This is all me. My husband doesn't watch a bit of sports. He doesn't even, couldn't name five players in the NBA, couldn't hardly name five players in the NFL. So it's like, um, this is all me. Even Pam's local news station in Houston did the same thing. Hope you're taking notes tonight. A married mother of two has managed to make a very good living doing something that for most people it's just a hobby. She's raking it in, playing fantasy. But my oldest son put me onto it. So I think people always hear that, okay, well, it's my son that got me into this. And then they think of me as a mother. And, you know, because even Channel 11, they wanted pictures of me with my son and, you know, just different things. It's like, okay, well, he's the one that put me onto this, but he's not the one that helps me with this. I help him with this more than anything, so... We are going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll hear more from Pam Miles and what she did when she heard she'd be going to the Playboy Mansion. 
So I just want to take a moment to tell you about our pals over at Harry's Razors. Obviously, humans have been shaving for thousands of years and not much has changed in that time uh, in terms of how we do it. And I've mentioned on the last couple of shows that I really don't enjoy shaving, but that's why I use Harry's. It is a really simple process. And the main thing is they don't overcharge. They don't give you gimmicky features on the razor. They focus on delivering what matters, which is quality, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. As I mentioned, I use Harry's for the simple reason. I'm not a big fan of shaving and their blade is one that really does let me get the job done without experiencing uh, pain to I guess my my face my neck or my wallet and that's why I do it check out harrys.com forward slash blue wire and of course as I mentioned there it is super convenient blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule with or without a subscription listeners now to the road of his podcast network can redeem their free trial at harrys.com forward slash blue wire and with that you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade rich lather shave gel with aloe to help keep your skin hydrated that's the one i think that helps me immensely and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go once again head on over to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to start shaving better today I also want to let you know about ShipStation. ShipStation are getting you ready for that holiday rush. If you sell stuff online or whether you're just sending stuff to friends or family over the Christmas period, you can get ready better with ShipStation. More people are buying online than ever before and need to get those orders shipped off quickly and affordably. And of course, that's where ShipStation comes in handy. They can help you get the best out of all the offers, decide which carrier to use and get the best rates, print your labels at home and get them sent out on time and delivered for the holidays one of my favorite things about ShipStation is the simple interface that they have it brings all that data into one place lets you decide which options you want and then makes it easy to manage from any device no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers you'll ship more in less time with the best available rates take the hassle out of holiday shipping this year let ShipStation help you and handle it with ease just use the offer code blue to get your 60-day free trial that's two months of no hassle stress-free holiday shipping just visit shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in the code blue that's shipstation.com enter the offer code blue shipstation make ship happen there's a lot of complexity to the stuff we are talking about and it certainly makes me wonder how we got to this point a point where someone like pam miles isn't able to even fully enjoy the opportunity of a lifetime in flying out to la and competing for a hundred thousand dollars because of all these other external forces and pressures that come with being a woman in a male-dominated arena. If we are going to trace it back to its origins with regards to fantasy, Brandon Lee says look no further than the culture of office leagues. I remember very clearly, you know, working in corporate America, now I just do fantasy full-time, but, you know, when people do office leagues, they'd only invite the guys. And so I'd always be like, can I play? And they're like, yeah, I've won every single <laughs> yeah. office league I've ever been in. And I, I will put everything into it because it is insane to me that this is still happening in 2016. So, I mean, I guess this is my like one soapbox moment, but it's just like, no, no. Brandon's sister, Ashley, said no to the pushback when she first asked to join her work league. I think it takes that one time too. Like I know with my office league, similar to Brandon, it was an all male league and it was like my second year working there. And I was like, I'd like to join. And they're like, uh, and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to bring my friend Sarah in as my partner. Cause everyone had to have partners. Like, well, our rule, we'd feel more comfortable if you're with a guy. And I was like, I'd feel more comfortable with Sarah, but that's <laughs> yeah. what we're going to do. And we were the first all girl team, but we got second 
And at that point, it was over. Like there was no more of girls couldn't join. There was no more thinking of, for these guys in the league that the girls mm-hmm. had no idea what they're doing. And it completely changed kind of the landscape of that office in terms of how people bonded and women being in the league. But it takes that one moment and that one kind of awkwardness, and then it's kind of dissipates and it's gone for the people that did seem to have that perception. This feeling of not feeling included that the Her Fantasy Football ladies describe is something Pam Miles experienced when she learned the live final she would be attending was at the Playboy Mansion. In fact, she wasn't even sure she should go at all. Even when I qualified, I emailed FanDuel and I'm like, all right, I know this is really more geared for men. You know, am I going to be uncomfortable or is, are you guys going to be uncomfortable because I'm here, I am this woman and they really didn't say anything because I said, you know, if you, if you feel like it would be better off if I sent my son and my husband in my place, then, you know, just let me know. I mean, I have no problem with that. Wow. I honestly don't know if we could come up with a more female unfriendly location to host a DFS live final than the Playboy Mansion. Right. It's like it's like having it straight at a strip club. It is. It screams not for women, right? It's like Fight Club. Like have it at Fight Club. Women are welcome, are they? Or Afghanistan? You know, I think I just finished that. That is the worst place that you could hold a DFS finals. I, I do think we. I, I said we couldn't come up with a worse location, but I think you did it, Cat. <laughs> Afghanistan <laughs> would indeed be a worse location for a live final. But truly, I mean, just how tone deaf is that if you actually want to appeal to a female market? Brandon Lee and Courtney Kirby both have some ideas on what these DFS companies in the NFL can do better. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems that the NFL, fantasy football, daily fantasy football, you name it, the issue is always, you know, whenever I go to one of these events, people are like, how do we market to women? People are really obsessed with marketing to women. And I always say like over and over again, I'm like, just stop marketing against them. If you're doing a commercial where the prize is a twerking girl, you're telling me I'm not invited. You know what I'm saying? Like you're saying that I'm an object. I could be the twerking girl, but that I'm not there to win the twerking girl. And if I am, why would I want to play for that? It's a lose-lose campaign for women. And I think that it's been across the board, you know, the nagging wife who makes you get up and stop watching football, when in all actuality, a lot of the people that we know sit down and watch football as couples, as family, as as people. You know, I think we support women being women. We support men being men. And I think we should do it together. I think it should be an open venue for everybody. But I'm never going to not say it's not okay for people to encourage more people to enjoy the sport that we all love. Yeah, that's uh, certainly true of me. My football circle of friends is about evenly split men to women. And when we go out to watch football together, the men do respond to those commercials with the twerking girl while the women roll their eyes. But it's also true that if they showed commercials with like shirtless Aaron Rodgers, then the women would respond and the men would roll their eyes. So now we're back to square one. Although now I kind of want to see DFS ads with shirtless Aaron Rodgers because I that do would too please and shirtless JJ Watt shirtless Aaron Decker <laughs> shirtless <laughs> Russell Wilson please <laughs> right but it, I think what we're we're getting at here is that that's not the way there's there's no need to alienate that's not the way to appeal um, to anyone really no I mean it's not you alienate a half of your audience either way so what is the blue ocean what is the solution there. 
As a DFS writer in the thick of the fantasy landscape, Renee Miller knows that commercials directed toward women aren't for her. I personally would be turned off by marketing specifically to women and and what that would look like from a male executive's point of view. Like, let's try to get women involved to me says, you know, the ads are not going to be about data-driven fantasy, which is what daily fantasy sports should be about, I think. So I don't think that the way to involve more women is to try to appeal to some quality about women other than their love of fantasy sports. So, so ads that appeal to men should appeal equally to women. I think that, you know, the downside is when people think they have to do something different to women fantasy writers or women fantasy players. Like, do you need to have pink banners on DraftKings to make right. games appealing to women? No, you don't. <laughs> Her fantasy football has built a diverse audience over the years made up of both men and women and hardcore and casual fantasy players alike. But it all started with just a simple idea. You know, at the time, there wasn't really women talking to other women. And when, when I say that, it's not like we're talking to women listeners. It's as if, like, I'm having a conversation with my sister about football in an intelligent manner versus us directing our conversation to females. But, you know, there's a lot of women out there in terms of, you know, football viewership. You know, 50.79% of the U.S. population is made up of women and 45% of the NFL viewing audience is females. I think people seem to think that women don't watch football and they do. They really do watch it. So we thought we'd get together, have a little fun, just have a little fun podcast that we did once a week. And it, you know, kind of turned into a bit bigger than we thought it would be just because it was a novelty. But it was just a really fun way of just throwing conversation around, ideas around, just being ourselves and having fun, just talking football. One last thread of this yarn we are trying to unravel and can't ignore is something every football fan with any semblance of a conscience must deal with, and that's rooting for and rostering players who are scumbags and have done horrible things off the field. Kat, I know this is something you and your league mates have had to address. Yeah, I'm the commissioner of an all-girl league here in Chicago, and man, we really struggle with how much we love playing fantasy football and how much we hate the way the NFL tolerates violence against women. So our baby step toward a full-on boycott, which I fear may still happen if the league doesn't pull itself together. Uh, But our baby step was making a rule in our league that you can't draft anyone who's ever been arrested for domestic violence or sexual assault. And we use the USA Today database as a reference. But my friend Sarah, she arrived late at the draft. And by the time she got there, Yahoo had auto-drafted for her, and she had AP, she had Des Bryant, she had Brandon Marshall, and and at that point, we just all joked that she'd just own it and have a villain team. So she went for it, and she really went for it. Her first pick, I believe, was Ben Roethlisberger, her first live pick, and it just went from there. Oh, please, please tell me this story doesn't end with the villain team winning the league. Oh, man, you know, uh, actually, she did go 11-3, and head-to-head during the season and made the playoffs. But about two-thirds of the way through the season, she actually decided that she'd had enough. And in solidarity, she dropped all of her scumbags except for Brandon Marshall, who who feels like he's pretty well-reformed and self-actualized at this point. So we, we let that happen. Um, and she lost in the first round of the playoffs. Everyone is going to be on a spectrum with this stuff. Some of the ladies we talked to were able to separate the off-field stuff from playing fantasy. Other people, like Kat, are facing it head-on in their leagues. 
Even the sisters at her fantasy football approach it in different ways, says Courtney. I mean, I think we all struggle with it, um, but we're not judge and jury either. If they're allowed to play, we're in a game to play. You know, I think we all have a different opinion on circumstances of when we will and will not draft someone. I drafted AP this year, you know, and I won. You know, I hate to say that, but that's the reality of it. Brandon doesn't draft anybody that she does not feel comfortable with. And I I get that too. You know, Ashley's kind of in the middle and and we're definitely not going to knock Brandon for not drafting Ben Roethlisberger, but, you know, it's a game. I just don't think it's like male or female skewed on that because I was in a league with all guys, all guys, just me and all guys. And they were the ones that said Ray Rice was off the table before he actually was suspended for the whole season. So, I mean, I don't think it, I think that, as you said, a lot of people struggle with that, but here we are, we're three women and we're related. (laughs) So we have almost no genetic makeup that is different and we all have different opinions on this. And, you know, listen, I won five fantasy football leagues this year without having to play people I didn't want to and, and for whatever reason. So it's not like I'm making idiot decisions, but if I have a choice between two people, I don't analyze like that though. Like, I would never tell someone not to draft someone based on my personal preferences about the players. So I think there's a difference there, too. When I'm playing, yeah, I prefer to cheer for people I want to cheer for, but I'm not an idiot when it comes to analysis, you know? So, I mean, I don't think, you know... I mean, I will roll my eyes every once in a while on our podcast. I mean, you won't miss that, but... But I'm not going to tell you not to start someone. I'm not going to say, hey, start Matt Jones over Adrian Peterson. That's just stupid, you know. Um, And also, everyone has a different opinion about these people. So, you know, you got to just feel good about you. Okay, that's definitely a lot of crummy and not so fun stuff we've had to talk about. And it would be easy to paint with a broad brush and try to say everything about how women are treated in the fantasy space is wrong. But that also isn't the case. Both Pam and Kimra, despite a few bad instances, have largely felt welcomed and supported by the men they've encountered in fantasy. I think the thing that was most interesting about my first experience with the World Championships fantasy football, and of course now they're defunct, but um, Emil Cadillac Mm. was one of the owners which I'm sure everybody in the fantasy world knows him. He's with football diehards. Yeah. Um, he made me feel so welcome. Like when I came to the event itself, there was probably maybe two or three women at this event and the rest of them were there with their boyfriends or husbands. They're just, you know, rather probably be at this ball. I am trying to learn and look at the boards and all this. It's kind of crazy, but he kind of took me under his wing and he was really nice to me. And, and he um, emailed me a couple of times and checked on me during the season. So he made me feel welcome to the event. So I wasn't so nervous the next time. So the next year I went by myself. But, um, you know, it's just people like that in the industry, um, like him, that, that made females feel welcome. And um, I wasn't scared to go after that. So, you know, I owe a lot of it to him. And I'm very grateful that, you know, he thought enough of me to, um, you know, contact me and make sure everything was okay throughout the season. That's great to hear. And in fantasy sports, like everywhere, there are always insiders who will really make a difference. And they actively help mentor women and are really glad and genuinely happy to help them enter the field. But the truth is, I I honestly believe that the majority of female detractors in fantasy sports are not malicious. They are just oblivious. They're shallow or they're showing off in front of their bro friends. Men want good competition and they respect good competition, male or female. 
Making other women feel welcome in fantasy is now something Kimra tries to pay forward herself. I thought, you know, I'm going to have this all-female league and oh, a lot man. of people. They're like, just do it, do it. So the Friday night before the Kentucky draft, people would come over to my house, and we had it in my basement. Well, then more and more people, like women, wanted to do it. And I was like, well, I can't, you know, I don't know how to grow this league. So I asked the commissioner from the Kentucky League, and we started having the women's draft. It's called Girls Gone Wild, and we're <laughs> the farthest thing from Girls Gone Wild, trust me. <laughs> and uh, we have now four leagues, and we have a live draft in Kentucky this Saturday. It's the last Saturday in August, and he allows us to use the ballroom. Some of them bring their husbands and boyfriends and all that. The rule is they, they can't let them draft their team, Okay, but they come with them. So, but we have so much fun with it. So we're trying to grow that and just see what it becomes because we think it's kind of neat. And it's just introducing other girls to like playing uh, fantasy football for the first time. But they're pretty good players, I have to say. While the season-long leagues like Girls Gone Wild are here to stay, the same can't definitively be said for daily fantasy sports. We mentioned at the top of the show that Pam Miles had quit her day job to pursue DFS full-time. But over that same period of time, Daily fantasy sports have been under attack across the country, with states battling with the sites over their legality. FanDuel has already pulled out of Pam's home state in Texas, while DraftKings has filed a lawsuit against the state. It's a situation that has Pam plotting out contingency plans. Of course, it's all going to kind of go away from me. I live in Texas, and FanDuel is pulling out of Texas in about a month, so I'm trying to wean myself away from it all, but I don't know. I am. I have family like all over the U.S. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it's time to uproot and move from Texas to another state. If DFS is ruled to be legal in the state of Texas and Pam isn't forced to consider moving, it will have been partly because of the work Peko Hasoy is doing. When we introduced her earlier in this episode, we mentioned the STEAM program she founded at MIT. Well, that program ended up putting her on FanDuel's radar. All of a sudden, I had this crowd of people who were interested in doing sports analytics. So I put up a website, like literally I went to wordpress.com and put up steam.mit.edu. Steam is sports technology and education at MIT. And um, and Fandle found the website. Wow. And they called me and they said, oh, by the way, we have uh, what we think might be an interesting sports analytics problem. And we hear you're interested in sports. So can we ask if you might be interested in taking a look at it. So they said, um, look, if we give you access to our data, can you do an analysis um, to give us some idea of how much uh, the outcomes depend on skill and how much the outcomes depend on chance? Um, and I told them, well, that sounds like a terrific problem. I would absolutely love to have access to your data set. Um, I said, there's a couple of caveats. Obviously, we're going to publish what we find, no matter what the outcome Even is. Even if it's not favorable. Exactly. And they said, that's fine. We just want you to take a look at the data and we want to know what's in there. The research collected by Peko and her team was included in an affidavit that FanDuel filed against the state of New York and the Attorney General in conjunction with their litigation about the legality of DFS. We'll link to the affidavit in our show notes and on Rotoviz if you'd like to check it out. Because of Peko's unique position as both an academic in a technical field and someone who loves fantasy sports, she's also the perfect person to explain, or maybe I should say justify, all this time we collectively spend on fantasy sports. Science works in surprising ways, right? If you are working on one problem, but you have an open mind with other problems, there's no telling where the advance comes. 
right? So one of the things that I think is really interesting about doing the fantasy football analytics um, is that you are trying to draw reasonable conclusions from a very sparse data set. And that is not something that is unique to football. That is pervasive through out any kind of science you want to do, something where you have a very small signal, possibly a lot of noise. How do you make reasonable predictions and where can you make those reasonable predictions? So it is unclear to me that mathematics done in the spirit of fantasy football is not going to have an impact somewhere else. And I think that you cannot judge ahead of time where things are going to have their impact. Um, and I, so I think people need to be working on things that they're passionate about, right? So if you're going to spend you know, 12 hours a day working on fantasy football analytics, or you could spend, you know, working on, I don't know, drug delivery systems that you're not that excited about. So maybe spend a couple hours and then you browse the internet for a little while, whatever, right? I mean, you should work where your passion is. Next time anyone gives me crap for spending too much time on fantasy football, I'm definitely directing them to that clip. All right. So as we wind things down, I'm not sure we made any breakthrough discoveries or solved any problems, but it does feel like progress is being made. What do you think, Kat? Well, for me, and and I only speak for myself, I think we have a ways to go in the NFL. If women are participating, watching, playing fantasy sports as much as the numbers seem to indicate they are, I, I think women should take an active role in trying to affect change. So we have a huge voice. I hope that we can have the courage to use it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that can hopefully increase that voice is having strong role models like Kimra Slisher and Pam Miles that will draw more women to the sport and to fantasy football. I think it would be awesome if they could be like the Chris Moneymaker of fantasy. Well, and Chris Moneymaker is a great comparison. I mean, like... Uh, Pam won big, Kimura wins big, Moneymaker wins big. If I could win big in fantasy sports, I would. Uh, but I, I do love the idea of more women watching football. I love watching it. I'd love to chat with more women like the women we've met today. And, uh, and, and more of this can only be a good thing. Yep, I couldn't agree more, Kat, and hopefully the stories from this show find their way to lots more women and inspire them to do whatever it is they might be passionate about. And just in case any ladies out there are looking for an excuse to become obsessed with fantasy football like us, well, Pam Miles can give it to you. Is there still a little bit of a a special satisfaction that comes from beating dudes at uh, fantasy football? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) The one thing I would love to do is you know, get into that top 100 on the, you know, tournament player of the year thing where you, where people do go and go, oh, well, that's P. Miles and that's a woman. Next time on Fantasyland, an episode about Roto World, the site that powers the fantasy football industry. We talk to all the major players involved with the site throughout its history, including ESPN's Matthew Barry. I put a ton of effort in. I mean, I still do now, obviously, but, uh, you know, for an unpaid job that I had no idea if anyone was going to read, I put a ton of effort into, uh, you know, all of those columns in the early days. That's it for this episode of Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. A huge thanks to all of our great guests in this episode, Pam Miles, Kimra Slisher, Brandon Lee, Ashley Williams, 
Courtney Kirby, Renee Miller, and Pekko Hasoy. A special thanks to Kat Gotsik for all her help producing and hosting this episode. Thanks to Dan Bach of Roto Grinders for connecting us with Pam Miles and to Eric Balkman of the FFPC for connecting us with Kimra Slisher. Check the show notes or the write-up on rotoviz.com slash fantasyland for links to learn more about these great guests. Also, thanks to our sponsors, No Halftime and WhipDog.com. Be sure to take advantage of their special offers to Fantasyland listeners. You can subscribe to Fantasyland on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And also, please rate and review the show. It really helps us find new listeners and spread the word about this new podcast. Right now, you can listen to all of our episodes on both the Fantasyland and Rotoviz Radio podcast channels. Thanks to Rotoviz Radio for syndicating our pilot miniseries. You can also contact us via email at fantasylandpod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the show and be sure to follow us on Twitter at fantasylandpod. You can also find all of our episode write ups and previews, as well as other odds and ends, at rotoviz.com slash fantasyland. Our producers are Matthew Friedman and Fantasy Douche. Our associate producer is Patrick Karain, and I'm your host, Peter Overzet. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.